My name is Christopher Stewart. I am the CPD and clinical editor at the Chemist and Druggist. In this podcast, I'll speak to Phil Freeman, the executive lead of the Dementia Action Alliance. We will be discussing dementia in the UK, David Cameron's challenge on dementia 2020, and the role of community pharmacy in caring for these patients. First of all, I just want to ask, sort of, so what is dementia? Dementia describes a set of symptoms um, that may include memory loss and difficulty with thinking and problem solving or language and it's caused when the brain is damaged by diseases and the most common form of dementia being Alzheimer's disease. So Alzheimer's is sort of a separate entity in itself bracketed underneath dementia? That's correct, yeah. So dementia is the umbrella term and Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. Is there any other dementia conditions which would be which would be well known, similar to like Alzheimer's? Um, yeah, there are. So other other forms of dementia that are also prevalent are dementia with Lewy bodies, Pick's disease, and vascular dementia. But Alzheimer's dis- Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia. So who is affected by dementia in the population? What is the prevalence? So there are um, 850,000 people living with dementia in the UK um, and that number is actually set to rise to a million by 2025. So as, as people are living longer, the chances of them developing dementia increase. There are also, um, so a lot of people think that dementia is just a disease for older people, but younger people can also get dementia. So there are 40,000 younger people with dementia what, do, um, what young, classes younger people? So that would be people under the age of 65. So it's not just a disease that impacts older people. What is the sort of like global impact of this condition? So we know that um, dementia costs the UK economy £26 billion a year, which is a, um, a, huge, a huge sum of money. Um, and that's actually more than the costs of cancer and heart disease and stroke combined. The majority of that comes from... Uh, the, the cost of, of caring for people with dementia. Many people with dementia end up in hospitals, which can be really costly. Many people with dementia end up in care homes or require lots of care. It might be within, within their homes or it might be they go into a care home and that can also cost, cost a lot of money so as well. So that figure you presented, do you think they might over, actually like underestimate the cost? Do so many people looking after maybe elderly family members? Yeah, so we know that you know, we, 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 are, we owe an awful lot to carers because they actually save, they actually save money. So I think the, the amount is £11 billion that carers save the economy through, you know, that might be family members who care for their loved ones who have dementia, which means that, you know, as a result of, of these people stepping into care for their loved ones, it means that the state doesn't actually need to pay for them. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of money saved through these people. In terms of like diagnosis of dementia, is it a generally underdiagnosed condition, or would you say that it's well tested in community and GP practice? So certainly, there's um, we need to ensure that one of the one of the challenges is actually ensuring that people receive a diagnosis. And there's a number of different reasons why people don't receive a diagnosis. And unfortunately, despite the good work of organisations like the Dementia Action Alliance and and the Alzheimer's Society. There is still a level of um, stigma and, and taboo which exists with having dementia. So some people feel, um, you know, we've done we've done studies which have shown that people feel 
They might be rejected by their family members if they tell them that they've got a diagnosis. Um, they might lose friends and things like that. So a lot of people are reluctant, can be reluctant to go and receive, go and actually get themselves diagnosed if they have concerns about their memories. And then the other end of the spectrum is there, there can sometimes be a reluctance from people in the medical profession to actually make a diagnosis, and there could be a number of reasons for that. So there is still a, a misconception out there that dementia is a natural part of aging, which it absolutely isn't. It's not just something which happens as you get older, it's actually caused by diseases of the brain. So we often make parallels with, with cancer and say that if a person had cancer, you would fully expect them to go and get a diagnosed, you know, to go and get diagnosed and then to receive um, support and treatment. And you would never think of, if you know, if you were a GP, you would never think of not diagnosing someone with cancer if they had cancer. But that can often be the case with dementia, where you can get people in the medical profession who think, well, there's not a cure, there's no, there's no pr- proven cure um, which has been developed yet, so they therefore don't diagnose people. And quite often, services within a particular area might not be, you know, there's, there's a variance in the, in the level of services across the country, and um, which can sometimes mean that GPs are reluctant to actually provide a diagnosis if they think the services aren't actually there to support people. So obviously you said like um, the difficulties in treatment and stuff like that, but how do they actually test for dementia and the likes of Alzheimer's? Yeah, so there's a number of things that you can do. So I think you know if you if you have concerns about your memory, the first thing you should do is go and see your GP, and the GP would then do some initial tests, and that, that might just be some fairly straightforward cognitive tests. And then if they came back, uh, if they if your GP then had further concerns following that, then you would then be sent to a memory clinic where they would do more detailed tests. They might do something like a brain scan. There are a number of different ways that someone can be diagnosed, but it would start off, if you did have any concerns, you'd go and see your GP. They'd then refer you, if they had concerns, to a memory clinic who would then provide you with, who would then give you a diagnosis. So once you're diagnosed in the UK, what sort of treatment and what services are available to those who are suffering from the condition? So it just depends on it just depends on um, where you live. So the services can be quite patchy across the country. So in some parts of the country, you've got you know fairly rapid memory services where you'd receive a, a timely diagnosis. You'd then be refer, you know you'd then be referred to different support packages. Whereas in other part, parts of the country, the support isn't quite as good. You know, ideally, you would have a really kind of varied, um, varied mix mix of support that suits your individual needs. But that that isn't always isn't always the case, unfortunately. I just wanted to ask about the Prime Minister's challenge he set for twenty twenty. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. What did that involve? And sort of what progress have we made since he set it? When did he set it? So actually, this so the Prime Minister's challenge twenty twenty. Um, has actually come on the back of the last dementia challenge that was set by by the current government. So this is the the, the first challenge, um, the Prime Minister's challenge on dementia, came to an end in 2015, and that looked at um, improving health and care, investments in research, and developing dementia-friendly communities. And this this renewed challenge to the Prime Minister's challenge 2020 is really an extension of that. So. There have been a number of successes following on from the Prime Minister's Challenge, so certain things have been massively improved. So we know that there is now more awareness of dementia than there was, say, for example, five or ten years ago. So more people understand what dementia is, they understand the impact it has, they understand the kind of um, the, the, the symptoms and things like that. 
but we, we know that, um, and also diagnosis rates have improved slightly as well. So they're still not where they need to be, but it means more people are now receiving a diagnosis because as I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, there the has been and there does continue to be an issue with people not receiving a diagnosis. Um, so definitely diagnosis rates have improved and um, awareness has also improved and there has been a slight improvement in um, the investment in research. However, there is still more that needs to be done. So even though there is now more money being invested in research, dementia still receives less research spend than, um, than you know, cancer um, and heart disease and a number of other conditions. So it's important that we try and get more people to invest in, in research. What I was going to ask was, you mentioned there, a dementia-friendly community. What, what is this exactly? So a dementia-friendly community is it's a community where decisions where people with dementia are, are included and they are part of this, the, the decision-making process as well and the, the, you know, the, the services within that community are built around their needs. Um, Dementia-friendly communities, it, you know, it used to be that dementia was very much seen as the responsibility of, of the health and social care sector. So you know, it was up to um, GPs and social workers and hospitals to look after people with dementia. Um, but now it's generally considered to be something that wider communities need to take more responsibility. So in order for a person with dementia to be able to participate in their, you know, in their daily lives, everyone needs to play a role. So it isn't just hospitals, it isn't just GP um, practices, but it's also local shops because people with dementia, their needs continue. They still need to go to their supermarket and buy their food. They still need to go to their local banks and take care of their kind of financial um, transactions they still need to liaise with their energy companies to make sure that you know they've got their their central heating and things like that and we know that it's really important for people with dementia to remain at home for as long as possible so it really does require a kind of society wide response um, and that's what dementia friendly communities are all about it's making sure that all of the different parts of the community understand dementia and understand the things that they can do to support people with dementia and just to give you one simple example would be something like Dementia Friends, which is uh, an initiative to raise awareness of dementia, to, to um, encourage more people to actually play a role, to, 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 to take action to support people with dementia. Will the roles of community pharmacy in this here, well, dementia-friendly community, and just wider, just helping care for dementia patients? Well, yeah, so I think community pharmacies can play a really, really important role. You know, they are that kind of central point of contact within it within a community for a person with dementia so a pharmacy might liaise with they obviously have contact with their customers they work with gps they work with other groups in the communities and they would also be they they may also be a first point of contact for a person with dementia and um, it might be that a person has concerns about their memory so they might go into their pharmacy and ask ask for their advice before they go to their gp surgery so it's really important that community pharmacies understand how to signpost people with dementia and they can maybe talk them through what the diagnosis process might look like they can maybe um, talk them through what some of the signs and symptoms are it may also be that pharmacies display information within the within the shops as well so that people can take the information read it and then come back if they have any other questions but yeah they're a really key group within within the community and it's important that they understand dementia and they understand the things they can do to help um, um, what what resources are available to sort of like support pharmacists in supporting their, their, their patients so i mean there's things like training is, is important so making sure that they've got some kind of basic dementia awareness training and that might be 
that might be formal training that they could actually do through a, a training provider but it might be that they do um, awareness raising so I mentioned before dementia friends that's a really easy way of understanding dementia and understanding how dementia impacts on people and some of the basic um, information about dementia so they could either do a face-to-face -face session which they could find out about through the Dementia Friends website or they could do something online. They can also, in terms of resources, if you, if you go to websites like Alzheimer's Society's website or the Dementia Action Alliance website, there's lots of different resources that might look at anything from you know, the customer-facing guide, so giving people practical um, advice on how to communicate effectively with people with dementia, or it might be information around the physical environment. So we know that it's important um, part of being a dementia-friendly organisation is making sure that your physical environment supports people with dementia and encourages them to come back into your into your shop or into your business. So that's making sure that things are you know clearly signed. It's making sure that there's not any unnecessary clutter around the shop, and it's also making sure that you just you you provide a kind of safe environment for people as well. So it might be things like having a quiet space where you know if if, if a customer needs a bit more time to read some information or understand things they've got a quiet space to do it it might just be being a bit more patient if a person is struggling to kind of count out their money from their purse or, or something like that it's just providing that kind of a little bit more care and a little attention. bit extra just yeah absolutely yeah. focus on them well i seen your lecture at the clinical pharmacy congress and you asked the, the group there at the time to sort of make suggestions of how they've helped do you remember any of the suggestions made yeah, absolutely. So there were a number of good suggestions that people in the audience made, you know, really related to the issues and the challenges that people with dementia face with regards to making use of um, pharmacies. And that's things like remembering to take their medication. So we, you know, we talked about making sure pharmacies have a flexible approach and that they're willing to try different things to support people with dementia. So that might be, um, you know, text reminders or it might be making use of dosage boxes where they can actually see the medicines that they're you know, meant to take on specific days. Um, but there's, there's, there's lots of different things that people can do. Um, and I think it's, it was a, going to that, to that conference was a really good example of how people are doing really good things, but sometimes in isolation. So it's important to come to these events to actually share, to actually share that good practice and then make sure that other people can actually replicate what you're doing. Um, previously you said about how pharmacists can be in a position to help patients if they are asked questions about dementia by the patient themselves, but what can pharmacists do to help sort of recognise the signs and symptoms and maybe approach the customer in this situation? Yeah, so it's, it's important to understand that if a person appears to be disorientated or confused, then I think it's understanding that that could be dementia, but it also could be something else so it might be that the person has a mental health problem or it might be that they're just temporarily a little bit a little bit confused due to any number of factors but it, it's just having that awareness that it could be dementia and um, if it is a patient you know well and you've noticed significant changes then obviously it's about using common sense so it might be that you feel you know the person well enough just to say is everything okay you know you don't seem yourself or it might be that you've got a good relationship with the person's partner or their children, um, and you could potentially speak to them about it and, and just raise your your concerns. But I think it really is about just understanding that dementia actually affects everyone in different ways. So no one person will experience dementia in, in the same way. 
you mentioned there sort of like speaking to family members or children but I was also looking at the idea of like whenever people do have dementia and they have carers looking after them maybe potentially family members and stuff so what support can can you give them in the pharmacy regarding like the person they're caring for so as you know as as I've said pharmacies are really good places to actually provide information so you can whether that is kind of flyers and leaflets from organizations like Alzheimer's Society because carers might you know carers need to understand we often say that people with dementia and carers are two sides of the same coin so it's important that carers have the information that they need and it's also important that carers are given the support that they need as well because if they are, if they are not given that support then they're not going to be able to actually care for the person with dementia organizations like Alzheimer's Society do actually provide support for carers and then there's other organizations who specifically focus on support for carers and that might be emotional support it might be peer-to-peer support where they get to sort of other people who have care and responsibilities and they get to share their experiences um, or it might be specific programs that go through some of the kind of technical things that, that the kind of practical things that they can do to actually ensure that they're providing the best levels of care possible for for their loved ones what benefit is there for pharmacies to join local groups and sort of supporting these patients well there's absolutely benefit in pharmacies being part of dementia-friendly communities, and they are really key organisations within communities. They do link in with lots of the different groups that people with dementia liaise with. So they can, what they can do is they can join local groups, for example, a local Dementia Action Alliance, where they can, they can link up with other organisations who are supporting people with dementia. They can share best practice, they can share knowledge and information. And it's also really good from a business perspective for them to promote themselves as being dementia friendly organizations if people with dementia feel that their local pharmacy understands their needs and understands um how they can help them then people with dementia will be more likely to continue using that particular pharmacy and if they feel that it's an environment where they feel safe and they feel comfortable then they're more likely to go back and continue using the pharmacy. So it's really important that pharmacies do play a role by joining these local groups and they can also then find out what other services are available locally and they can promote those services, whether that is different you know, ther- therapy groups or whether it's social groups or whether it's support for carers or whether it's training or just general information. The more actively involved and engaged they are with these groups, the more they can then help their customers who may have dementia if they want to find out more information about this here is there any particular website they could visit absolutely so the alzheimer's society website has information about the dementia friendly communities program there's also the the dementia action alliance um, website as well which provides information on how they can engage nationally with the dementia action alliance and that will get you know where they can come along to events where they can learn about different issues that are that relate to people with dementia, where they can network with other professionals from across the health and social care sector, and where they can actively be part of our um, campaigns. So I definitely recommend the Alzheimer's Society website and the Dementia Action Alliance websites. I want to thank Phil Freeman from the Dementia Executive Alliance for taking the time to speak to me about dementia care. This podcast was brought to you by Update Plus. Update Plus is seeing these premium CPD package that gives you access to exclusive online learning and educational content, including 50 clinical and practice modules each year, 
alongside bite-sized learning in the form of a scenario-based practical approach and a weekly clinical quiz. To access your free trial of Update Plus, go to www.chemistandruggist.co.uk forward slash content forward slash update hyphen plus. Thanks for listening.